And welcome back to Comics Exchange, your friendly neighborhood podcast. Of course, I'm Mike D. We have the always charming Ryan Shipley. Don't know why, but this sounds like Groundhog's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Seems familiar to me. And of course, the owner of Knoxville's longest running comic shop, Mr. Bill Langford. Hey, back with my friends. Aw. There we go. Feels great. Yeah. But there's somebody in the hot seat, too. It's not just us. What? We have a long-running legend in Knoxville comic book history. You know who we're talking about. It is the legendary Ziggy. No, it's a pause. No, it's absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's great to have you here, Ziggy. <laughs> there's no horrified face. Sorry. No, if you've dealt in comics in Knoxville, especially in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, or even through the late 90s, because uh, he had several stores, but Ziggy was a fixture in, uh, in Knoxville comics. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, when I moved here, um, one of the books that he turned me on to was a book called Stray Bullets. Oh, uh, David Lapham. Yeah. Nice. Um, That's cred. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Ziggy, it's great to have you here. Uh, feels like old times. Back in a comic book store together. <laughs> feels old anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what got you into comic books? Well, um, as I was saying before we started recording, yeah. um, <laughs> the, um, um, the first comic book that I picked up with my own money was Avengers 57. I was around oh. five and a half six it was the first appearance of the vision it's the classic cover yep behold the, the vision okay got wow. it off of the spinner rack and wow uh, like a month you know over the next couple of weeks went back to because i wanted to know what happened next yeah yeah yeah. the first comic book that did that to me is like all you know richie rich and archie and all those other things donald duck comics things you know well, whatever. They're, they're based on procedurals right. right so it's basically i didn't care what happened next yep. mm-hmm. but i wanted to know what happened so i was like kept going back and looking and then when we found 58 i was like the happiest kid on the planet <laughs> so 59 60 and then somewhere in the mid 60s i missed an issue because newsstand distribution stunk yes. yeah so <clears throat> and then this went on for a, a few a few years and then my dad surprised me for my birthday one year by uh, handing me he found a local comic shop that i didn't know existed what was the name it was the east tennessee comics the etc the the quonset hut on hamburg drive okay wow um and um he found like the the ones that I was missing from the run from when I'd started. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, took me in after he gave those to me and I was like, Where'd you find these? And he said, There's this store and I was like, There's a store yeah. that has nothing but comic <laughs> books? What a cool dad. It was yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um I don't care what my sister says. Um, <laughs> anyway, he uh, he um you know, he took me in and we started looking around and I started building my back issue collection, would go in and spend my allowance every year. I mean every every week on comic books. And um, then eventually they uh, offered me a part-time position as a like 11-year-old. Yes, that's you're hanging out here all the time. <laughs> kid. So, well, I mean, I was like, I said, is there anything I can do um, and to help? Because I was that kid. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, you know, it's come in on Saturdays and we'll put you to work taking the stuff that came off the rack and putting it in uh, bags and boards and taping them shut for back issues. Yeah. And so I was doing that and was earning trade credit that way. Started off working that way. When uh, back then, because this is like like around the mid to late seventies, how was it hard to find the back issues? So I was like, nowadays, you know, there's all the internet. There's there various were, stores. There were places and people who had them. I mean, other other than that, as a comic book store. See, when I say comic shop, they had back issues, but they also had the new books coming in. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the new. The they were they'd set up distribution channels to to carry the new stuff. Most guys that carried back issues prior to that 
didn't carry the new comics. They just would they buy collections from people oh. and they picked up baseball cards and stuff like that. Hmm. That was hmm. jacked out on Broadway, not the Jack not Day. Jack Day. Yeah, it was jacked out on Broadway. That basically he had like. 30, 40 years of buying people's collections. So he had like oh, wow. hundreds of boxes of back issues mm-hmm. and he sold them for dirt cheap. Yeah. You know, buy, sell, trade, whatever. He was mm-hmm. just like turning them around as fast as he could. That, and that's where you found most of your most of your back issues were places like that. You'd flea markets and there were vendors who would go and set up and sell stuff because it wasn't a viable thing mm-hmm. to, to pay rent and sell comic books at that point yeah. until the new standard mm-hmm. distribution kind of like got superseded by direct distribution and that kicked in. And so when you were doing, and when you were like uh, working there, this was when books were coming out. You said on Fridays. Yeah, Friday was New Book Day. Okay. Hmm. And who were the distributor? Because I know like Diamond and stuff came much that later. Was, that was right? a little bit later. I'm not sure who they were. I mean, I was 12. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. I wasn't looking at invoices and stuff yeah. like that. I'm not sure if that was uh, if they were in with Diamond or or if there was somebody else prior to Diamond that did yeah. that initially. Uh, they might have just been getting newsstand books from some of the newsstand distributors because the news the 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 guys who did newsstand distribution would sell to other people too, right? If they wanted them, but they were like, you know, that's. So I I wasn't I wasn't aware of business at yeah. twelve. I was you know I was starting to learn retail, mm-hmm. but I did not know about back issues back back end business stuff. So I didn't even Ooh. ask. I didn't it's, think about it. So yeah, it's it's crazy how much things have changed. Just thinking about it over the last 20, 30 years. Absolutely. Um, and especially with Diamond having a monopoly for the longest time. Um, you know, we're in a period of uh, where uh, we have all the um, the TV shows and the movies, and it's it's really um, whereas before, like Ziggy say was saying, it was kind of um, you just had the collectors and the people in the know that knew about it. It was the Wild West. It was because yeah. it wasn't uh, and I a had lot a hot of iron. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess you had like Spider Man at that point was on the Electric Company. Yep. Yeah, you had some uh, exposure oh, wow. and then yeah. through the cartoons. You know, Marvel Wonder had those. Woman, Marvel, started, Marvel started having their... I mean, you had the Super Friends. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Hanna-Barbera end of it. Yep. But you also had... Uh, Marvel started having the live-action films in the mid-'70s, too. So mm. you had, like, Bill Bixby's Hulk show yep. and the Spider-Man movie and, and the Nicholas Captain Hammond America Spider-Man movie. Nicholas Hammond, Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 And Shazam and then... And now, ISIS and all those guys. And it's so. one of those crazy you got to think about too. It's like with the Avengers, they had started in 63. Right. So when you were really starting to collect them, they were only just a few years going, like right. maybe like, a decade. Not even a decade. Wow. Think about that's 50, really crazy. 57 think about. issues at yeah. an issue a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like what? Do the math, Bill. So, like I said, <laughs> I, I'm the I, math guy? I said I was like, remember, like um, f- between five and six yeah, when yeah, I found yeah. it. That's a, yeah. And that's about right for it because yeah. I was born in 63 too. So yeah. Like born like the oh. month after the first issue of the Avengers popped up. So, so your birth, you're a sixty year old. This you're the same age as yes, the X-Men, I'm an old man. Thank you very much. X Men, the that's, Avengers, that, the Wasp. That's why we come here for wisdom. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, uh, yeah. Um, and, and now we have a, a brand new slate of because uh, didn't James Gunn just announce? Yeah, like a brand new slate of shows Today, and projects. This is really breaking news. Things it I took like him is, forever. Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things I like is like when we do this on Tuesday and like nice news comes, mm-hmm. like it makes this easy for us. It does. It does. Um, it which, was quite an announcement though. But just running down this list, uh, the first project he announced was uh, Creature Commandos. Which is animated? Gonna be, it's going to yep. be animated. He did say this is kind of neat. Um, whoever does the voices in the animated cartoon, it will do it when they bring them into the live action. Oh wow, I didn't know that. So, kind of yeah. like what Marvel does with the what if voices. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then uh, this is an HBO Max show. Uh, Waller. Uh, yeah. Amanda Waller. Interesting. Which yeah. I think is pretty cool. I wonder if we're going to get more of like 
Peacemaker and all of them will show up in Waller, I assume. For as long as HBO Max lasts. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They may, I can even see it being like a semi-Peacemaker 2 almost. I you think know it what I mean? may be like, like the a, Book of Boba Fett. Oh, great where example. Where it basically becomes great the example. Mandalorian Season right. 2.5. Mm-hmm. Um, then they announced, uh, and also uh, Gunn did announce he's written every script for Creature Commandos. Okay, good. Um, Are you guys familiar with that franchise? I'm, I'm really not. Creature Commandos. Is that a I read a Tim Truman miniseries he had done, and it, it's mm-hmm. it's basically like a, a, a there's a Frankenstein, a mon- like a Monster Patrol, it's right. Monster you know, Squad. Mon- yeah, it, right. it is. But it's yeah. the DC Monster Squad. So yes. Yep. Cool. Uh, then the one he's working on right now, uh, Superman Legacy. Uh, we didn't get any kind of uh, uh, actor announcements or anything like that. No. But he did announce that the Superman movie is coming out uh, July 11, 2025. And he's been alluding to All-Star Superman as an inspiration for it, too. I've seen he's, he's had a couple tweets here and there about yep. that. That's a great Superman story, by the way. A lot of heart. Yep. Yeah. Then the next uh, one was Lanterns, mm. which is going to be a series, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, he did also announce that the uh, doing original... That live action? Yep. Yes. Uh, Greg uh, Berlanti, mm. who basically has done the Arrowverse and everything like that for the last 10, 12 years. Right. Um, his Green Lantern TV project is not moving forward. That they're going in a different direction. Um, <laughs> he uh, he said Greg's vision was more of a space opera. Our vision is more true detective, more Ooh. of a terrestrial-based investigation story. Huh. That sounds fantastic to it me. Does. Yeah. It sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then and then this is the one that I think a lot of our audience. I know our boy Sean Neff uh, was excited about it. Shout out to Neffery. Yep. Uh, the Authority. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one surprised me a lot. Same. And that's going to be a film. Okay. So going down this list, uh, it'll be the, the film them, after The Authority. That gives them a big launching pad to go in, in a lot of directions. Oh, that's for really sure. It does. So. Yeah. I wonder if they'll keep it as adult. I, would, I think so. Yeah, I would like to see just a different variation of movies from DC. They don't mm-hmm. have to be PG-13. Mm-hmm. We yeah, can have yeah, some yeah. PG movies and some R movies. Because so. theoretically, yeah. by this point, it's going to be Marvel will have hopefully... Dip their toe in R with Deadpool three. Deadpool three. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, then next was uh, Paradise mm-hmm. Lost. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Based on the famous novel. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna take place on uh, uh, Wonder Woman's island. What is that? The, the mascara. mascara. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that it's, it's gonna be influenced by Game of Thrones. Actually. Yep. Uh, huh. And that's gonna be HBO Max. And then and this is cool. The Brave and the Bold. Batman and Damon. Damien. Uh, Damien. And it's going to Damon, Damon Wayans. It's going to be the end of the call. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be uh, the son of Batman. Um, yeah. But, in, and this is going to be where it's going to get kind of interesting <laughs> too. Uh, Homie the Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Batman, don't play that. Hate it. It's not going to be the Matt Reeves Batman mm-hmm. uh, because he did announce before this I the uh, Matt. in a B formation. Yeah, <laughs> the Matt Reeves uh, Batman is going to be considered Elseworld. You okay. know, if there was okay. one one property that they held over, I I would have liked to have seen them maybe try to work that Matt Reeves Batman into the main DC movies. Yeah, I was really a big fan of it. I could I could see it, but guess not. And that's going to be October third, two thousand twenty five. Okay. So we're going to Superman and Batman the same year. And the same mom. <laughs> Wait a minute, Martha! Why did no. you say that name? Just the same, the same, same name. Not the same mom. Why did you say? The same? Well, now we don't. Twin know. sons Maybe, of uh, different mothers. Yeah. James Gunn might be pulling a stunt here. It could yeah. be the same Martha. Very yeah. well, could be. Uh, then uh, HBO Max TV series uh, Booster Gold. Yep. 
Oh, there's going to be some serious fans be, of that. There better be some Blue Beetle in there. There better be. Uh, they did also announce that this year the Blue Beetle movie is coming out, and I think that's the one with, okay. um, what's the kid's name? Um, Jaime Hernandez. Jaime Reyes. Reyes. Yep. Jaime oh, Reyes. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they could introduce Ted Cord in there, because I think, does Ted Cord play a like part in... Like as a mentor role, kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I love this. Uh, Tom King did a great book last year called Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and they're going to do the adaptation of that as a film yeah it was uh, i think a four-part miniseries prestige format yep uh but a really cool story yeah um uh, and i I'm, think uh, king's work is going to translate well to film i think yes i think so too yep. yes absolutely and then finally swamp thing Ooh, yeah as a film as a horror film no, i might no, add no, no. really yeah, yeah they specifically said get the del toro film. Del Toro on Swamp Thing Horror Style. Ooh, really? That would, well, no, they even no, said no, it. Be, I was going to say, my dream be is, great. My dream is Del Toro on Swamp Thing perfect. and Steven Spielberg on the Superman. Mm, that yeah. would be my dream. Book it. Aim high, kid. Aim, <laughs> you got to aim high. Uh, so anybody, any thoughts, anybody? Well, I'm glad that James Gunn announced a bunch of stuff because fans have been clamoring you know, for an announcement. Yeah, and so yeah, this yeah. should keep him busy for a while, and I mean he's, uh, and that's what two years in advance, three years ahead, maybe. Yeah. So and 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 I'm glad that he's kind of doing, kind of following Marvel's game plan of announcing the stuff in advance and sticking to a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it, and I'm not saying the stuff has to interlock or connect or there has to be synergy between these projects, but at least we know what we have uh, coming forward, you know, coming out. Yep. Yeah. It's not going to be blowing with every different wind direction opinion that comes you know, out. Yeah. Some, some test audience didn't like right. Nightwing, and so they're going to rewrite this, and because yeah. that was the direction they had been going, and that was very frustrating. And Momoa kind of hinted that that rumor that's been going on about Lobo, him with Lobo, because he did say, "I've talked to Gun. I'm still going to be part of DC Universe. I'll be in Aquaman too, and then we'll see what I play from there." Yeah. So it could still be that he comes in as Lobo. I'd support it. Yeah. yeah. So then the big thing is going to be, will they introduce like a Wonder Woman in Paradise Lost? Um, will Gal Gadot still be Wonder Woman? Actually, I did read another detail that that is going to take place before her birth. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. It might run concurrently, like it might have a little bit of current stuff, but they said it's going to be mainly in the past. Yeah, that's. I, I, think, it, I think it's a good roadmap. And uh, we posted it on the socials, mm-hmm. and it seems like everybody that was posted in there really is excited for this. Yeah, no, nah, I think it's like for the DC fans, the people who were f- fans of the previous material, I think are going to go along for the ride. And yep. then I think this is also going to bring in a lot of new fans who weren't happy with the Zack Snyder uh, kind of take of the DC universe um, or the um, the uh, the CW take of the, the DC universe. Yeah, um, and they did announce one other thing. Uh, the Superman and Lois show that currently airs on CW, mm-hmm. they seem to really be supportive of it. So... If CW, CW, the rumor is they have 11 scripted shows right now, yeah. and they're only going to renew three. Yeah. So if the, the, the Lois and Superman show doesn't get renewed, hopefully it'll find a home for HBO Max for the other two seasons. So HBO Max is going to be like uh, DC Central. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to hope HBO of, Max, like Ziggy says, uh, yeah. stays around a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, streaming services are so weird right now. Yeah. But I mean, HBO, right? Why wouldn't they want to? Yeah. Because they'll do it like they do it on the Discovery Channel. Uh, 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 yeah. It's going to be the exit song. <laughs> well, you know, right now HBO Max is doing great. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Never uh, apologizing. I'm, I'm an optimist. Uh, House of Dragons, Last, yeah. Last of Us. Yeah, I mean, that's two huge hits, right? Yeah, White Lotus. White Lotus oh. is huge. Yeah. 
Actually, uh, on uh, the last episode, I did read an interesting note that each episode has increased viewership, and that is really rare for each oh, episode yeah. to keep taking up more and more viewers. So that's a great sign. Yeah. Good sign of word of mouth. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. did the smart thing, and they uh, renewed it early. So people aren't going, oh, my God, HBO Max is going to cancel this. HBO Max is going to cancel this. Uh, oh, yeah. And they did say, I like the fact, too, they said they're not going to go past the games. Okay. Um, I think they said uh, season two will probably be our the second game will probably be two more than more than one season worth of story. Um, so by that point, The Last of Us Three could be out. The multiplayer game will definitely be out by that point. So they're going to give uh, Last of Us more respect than George R. R. Martin, right? <laughs> well, it's not. It's not their fault that George R.R. R. Martin can't finish a book. <laughs> they could have oh, waited. Finish they could have waited. <laughs> yeah, he can finish a book. We can talk about his books. He's finished many books. He has. Uh, so I think the last books. one came out 11 or 12 years ago now. <laughs> last one of those. Yeah. yeah. But he's done more. I think at this point he's trolling everybody. <laughs> when he's like, hey, guys, I'm almost done. I'm almost, I only have right. 500 more pages. Wink. Well, you know and a major entity like HBO or something getting involved with your project, that, that might affect your, uh, affect your inspiration. You know, you might just not want to work on it after you just get burned out on something like that. True, or yeah. After they took it, went past where he had done and mm-hmm. did different things with it, it's like, how do you, you know... I can see him deciding to push back putting out another book until after there's like a, a separation of time between Oh, them. that's a great point. So yeah, yeah, that yeah, people yeah. don't go, well, this isn't the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I know hmm. there was a because lot of people... that's not what he wanted to do with the book anyway. Yeah. A, they, you know, w- once they got past that certain point, they'd already made changes before they got to the end of the books. But yep. once they got past the books, they just went with it. And he was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I Money. do think uh, what yeah. Game of Thrones ended, a lot of people go, oh, nobody's going to care about Game of Thrones. This mm. franchise is done. I but I think that I must like, have been Ugh. like a, a vocal minority because House of Dragon came out of the gate like killer, like huge. I think 20, 25 million the first episode and it just... I reluctantly watched it. I was like, I guess I will. But I ended up loving it by the end. So. Yeah. Okay. And it's a completed story. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So, Gasp, swoon. The haters are a vocal minority yeah. <laughs> on social media. That's weird, right? No. What are we talking yeah. about? And they have such a they have such an outsized reach of what they should have because, like you said, they're, they're a minority. Yeah. Well, then you get but, websites reporting the stuff as though it's news. Oh, so and so people on Twitter think this is yeah. a bad thing, and then it seems like a much bigger deal. But it's than like it is. when they're they going, the Snyder fans oh, aren't uh, happy with dude. James Gunn. It's like mm. they're not going to be happy unless all James... seven of them. Don't come for me. You won't like it. Because like, <laughs> at this point, how many are truly left? Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have to see. They have to see the writing on the wall. Zack yeah. Snyder just wishes he was Sam Peckinpah. And, and the thing is, if you're a Zack Snyder fan. You do have a new movie this year. Netflix around Christmas time is doing part one of his two part. It's supposed to be his Star Wars style movie. I read that he wanted to do a Star Wars movie. They rejected it. And this was the idea that he had. And he's just going to do it on his own with different characters. Yep. That sounds well, like it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sucker, so, sucker Punch 2? But, but my thing is, if you're a Zack Snyder Ew. fan, you probably want to see like original stuff. Cause, no. <laughs> but the uh, he had the Owl movie, didn't he? The uh, Was it the... Uh, was the, the Owl movie? Yeah, didn't he make a movie, like an animated Owl movie? The, well, what yeah. was it, the Guardians of Galoo? Guardians, yeah, it was. Like Darn it, I'm looking Look it up, up Shipley. Yeah. Dang is uh, half of it in the slow motion? I asked that question just so I could say that. <laughs> that was a complete setup. So here's the thing. So mm-hmm. we got all this DC. Uh, we always talk DC Marvel movies. Let's talk about like the big news in the comic book world. Um, so DC is right now doing their new um, 
their thing this year. What is it called? The Dawn of the DC? It is, yeah. Um, Reboot 592. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they announced three books. I think uh, Cyborg was one of them. Um, but the one that stood out to me is The Titans with Tom Taylor. Oh, man, I'm very excited about it. I tell you, I, I like just about everything he's, he's written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, as far as DC stuff goes, he's probably one of DC's premier writers right now, in-house writers. Yeah. This is going to be their flagship team book of this of this world too. The mm-hmm. Justice League is going to take a backseat if it exists. Much at all, needed. So. Great point. Yeah. Which Great is point. almost like going back to 1985 when right. New Teen Titans was With, the when Marv Wolfman threw the, that team together and yes. created those guys. It's like nice to see Cyborg back in that because I was not a fan of Cyborg in the Justice League, even though he served a good purpose. Yeah, no, I, I preferred Hawkman being kind of the Sentry in the Watchtower. You, want, you wanted all your teen angst in one place. Mm. That was kind yeah. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and it's uh, Nicola Scott as mm-hmm. the um, artist. And they're getting ready, because I guess it says here, uh, what I'm looking at, next year marks the 60th anniversary of the Titans. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that may be right. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> <It's right. laughs> and you know, with comics just being indefinite, you know, you always had the, the concept that one day the Titans, the sidekicks, would take over as the heroes. Obviously, mm-hmm. comics yep. are just indefinite, like I said, but it's cool to see that coming to fruition. Even if it's going to be limited six months a year or whatever, it's going to be cool to finally see that happen. Yep. So the other book, uh, Green Lantern, uh, will be available May 9th, and then Titans and Cyborg will launch both on May 16th. Wow. Uh, and Cyborg will be written by Morgan Hampton with art by Tom Rainey. So... Yeah, I think that's what DC's planning to do is they're going to do a lot of new number ones mm-hmm. over this next year and kind of bring out this new DC universe that they want. Well, I bring up how much I love Tom Taylor's Nightwing almost every single episode <laughs> we've recorded, <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely excited about this. He just seems to understand, much like James Gunn does in a certain way, he seems to understand what the heart and the soul of DC, to me, should feel like. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. But Tom Taylor doesn't use as many fart jokes. No, on the page. no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and DC... Titans has a long history um, as far as the team books go at DC and, and Ziggy you may remember this but when uh, Marvel and DC had a crossover in the 80s and Marvel decided to cross over X-Men which was their number one property at the time by far yeah right. uh, DC matched them up with New Teen Titans they didn't match them up with Justice League right you know they, they chose New the, Teen Titans was, they wanted the two teams the two teen teams yeah yeah, yeah. they both sort of sort of kind of had mentors but you know so, so let me ask you this so that was a huge book when it came out so when you were uh when you had your stores do you recall death of superman <laughs> <laughs> and, and can you tell us just, i have and, nightmares of the 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 extra what? copies of the rebirth of superman so that was so, the yeah. white bag yeah it was white bag. but the black <laughs> tiled bag. my store in that really <laughs> we did basically stapled copies and then like shingle tiled whole walls oh, with wow it. so okay so when death of superman came out did you just like okay there was so much attention for this the same thing's going to happen to rebirth they told us the same thing was going to happen mm. to rebirth they okay. made us promises oh they promised like a huge ad campaign they right? promised a huge ad campaign they promised a whole bunch of other stuff and it's like you know the thing about the death of Superman is that when when they did that in my store, I had like at the time like between two hundred and two hundred and fifty subscribers monthly. People who filled out order forms yeah, yeah, or had yeah. pull lists. Yeah, um, I had maybe ten or eleven people who read Superman, mm, which right? is the reason they did and Death it, of it Superman. Was Superman. Well, I mean that if you it wasn't a bad seller. You yeah, know? yeah, it was, yeah, it was enough to keep it going, but it wasn't like the gangbusters like the X-Men books and stuff yep. like that, mm-hmm. which skewed things to a point and made business bad. So, mm-hmm. we'll talk, we can talk about that on a different yeah. uh, different episode, but <laughs> huh. um but you know, I had somewhere between 10 and 12 people who read Superman and Action and Adventures of Superman, all three of those books mm-hmm. uh, on a regular basis. 
when they announced the death of Superman and stuff like that, I was like, okay, fine. And I, you know, was talking to my partner. I said, well, let's get some extras in case because people might use this as a as something, et cetera, et cetera. So we'd ordered like 40 or 50 copies okay. of, of it, which wasn't bad, you know, for yeah, a yeah, store. Yeah. And then two weeks before the book came out, it was on the cover of Time magazine. Oh, oh yeah. no. Yeah. No warning, no oh, notice. No, wow. DC had didn't say issues. anything. And I had 40, like I had 40 or 50. And then suddenly all the distributors were like, we don't have enough. Oh, and it's no. like, and so we're like, you know, we and at this point, I, it's too was, late to adjust it's your orders. It's too late to adjust your orders. Oh. And so I was like, I was calling and saying, can I get more? Can I get more? I ended up, I think, maybe total with like 60, 65 copies. Wow. Yeah. After, you Gone know, the first, first day. Print. Gone the first day. <laughs> um, wow. And what we had a whole bunch of people come in and want to like order copies. And mm. so I was like, I'm not going to get that many copies. I'm not going to have enough. Yeah. So I basically, you know, everybody's talking about how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And I said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the most fair thing I can think of, which is the people who had ordered it to begin with are guaranteed to get their copies. You know, mm-hmm. my, my, my Superman subscribers got yep. them hands down, period, no problem. Right. Okay. I'm going to do those. The new people who came in, you know, I said, you know, you can order first come, first served until they're gone. It's like, I'll, I'll you know, until I'm out of the list, I'll guarantee you one. Mm-hmm. If you want more than one, if I can get extras, you know, we'll we'll try to fill that as we can, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, you'll get one, but you'll get it at cover price. Okay. Wow. And if and if you set up a subscription fold, folder, we had discounts for subscriptions because yeah. we could mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, then you know you get whatever the discount is. You know, if you just have five or less titles, it was like ten percent. So it's like you hmm. get ten percent off cover price, but you're guaranteed to get it at your file discount. Okay. And mm-hmm. I did not mark it up. Which was huge because back then a lot of stores the day of you go in every other place in town had copies on the shelf for twenty five dollars the so first the, day the, the first day, day it came yeah. out Rough. Yeah. and yeah. by the end of that week but you know by the end of the next week there were fifty sixty bucks mm-hmm. it was just it was ridiculous and people were angry about it mm-hmm. yeah. people were mad about it and and I basically avoided a lot of that I had people who were mad that they didn't get the five or ten copies well you promised no I promised I would get you one if you were in that first fifty people yeah. And the way that worked is some people called and said, never mind. Mm-hmm. And so they would take them off the list and the next person would move up. And I kept, I kept the list that way. should have done it Thunderdome style. No. I'm <laughs> two men into one man leaves. So were you able to <clears throat> so quickly then get second prints? Like we got, we got, everybody got second prints, but nobody really, you know, just nobody the people, cared about the, this. The, the funny thing about it is, is that those are the people I focused on. Yeah. Because the people who came in and didn't mind if it was a second print, they just wanted to read the story because it was an interesting thing. Yeah. Pulled them in, got them the books, mm-hmm. got them the next issue, got them the issue after that. Basically said, you know, if, and they kind of read, came in and read it and it, it gave me access to new customers. Yeah. So I was like, I don't care if I'm making 50, 60 bucks on this person who walks in my door because these guys are looking at it like, I'm just going to, I'm going to fleece the sheep and not worry about it. They're right, going right. to flip it. Yeah. And right. so they're going to flip it and then the, you know, the, and then those customers are gone. So what I did was I had people who come in and started subscription folders to read Superman, ended up looking around, buying other things eventually, asking me recommendations, and I would build up a customer file service. You know, I had this guy who came in for this one copy of Superman from the cover of Time magazine, and four years later, he's buying 35, 40 books a month. Nice. And yeah. that's business. That's yeah, how yeah, you yeah. did good business. So could you tell at that time people coming in the store, would, could you identify like who the scalper speculators were who were coming in just to... Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Do you have I mean, any gatefold covers? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's people you've never seen before. Yeah, it's yeah, names yeah. you don't know. It's yeah. voices you don't know. Yeah. And but, they I come mean, in. But and, they and, come in and, you know, it's like you can tell when they're the person who's coming in and saying, mm-hmm. I read about the Superman thing, you yeah. know, when they didn't know uh, what they were talking about. The people right. was like, can I get, can you get me 10 copies? And I'll be like, no. I mean, I just didn't play with them. I was like, no, 
it's like you know people are like well and my advice that's the same for my advice for uh for investing it's mm-hmm. like you know if it's a book and you're and you you like it and you think you're really going to be interested in it and you want to you want to not like lose money on it the possibility of it i told people i said don't buy ever, don't ever buy more than five copies yeah pick up five copies when it's a new number one tuck them away give it that initial push and watch in those first in that first month it's going to double in price if it's going to be hot mm-hmm. if it doubles in price you sell one of the copies yeah yeah you make know, your money back make your money back it's like you get get it to the point where you make the money back on all five on the one that you sold and then if it continues to climb at a certain point in time you have like these benchmarks of it hits this point i'm going to sell another one it hits this yep. point i'm going to sell another one you can make money and then you've always got i said keep it down to two keep one in storage and one that you used to read because if you're into it you're reading them yeah, yeah yeah and it's that's you know that way you're never having a problem with having too many back issues if it's something that you got enjoyment out of by reading it in the first place because it's entertainment it's not an investment mm. right so once uh, you went through your 50 to 65 copies i assume for funeral to the friend for a friend you ended up giving a lot more people that are now subscribing to superman there was a lot of people for that at that point in time yeah it's a yeah a lot of the other file folder customers had like flipped over and like picked it up to read it, and because the hoopla was like, they were like, "Who are all these people in the store?" Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know. and, and, so. and so for those people who don't know, Ziggy, um, Ziggy had a store, and it was called Comics Inc. Right? Yep. Comics oh, I and C. Yeah. Comics so, period. So let's yes. go back a little. Let's yeah. do a little bit mm-hmm. of flashback. So how long had you worked for the other store before okay. you decided I'm going to go into my own I worked business. for them weekends and over the summers yep. um, and then I went away to boarding school in high school there's actual boarding school you went to a boarding yeah, school okay. boarding. Xavier's nice. school for the gifted <laughs> <laughs> Baylor school West for just, boys okay God. I was um, close not the same ring That's, you know it just d- depends yeah. on who you ask so okay so you went to boarding school I went to boarding school so I was like home over the summers only at that point yeah uh, and I worked for them over the summers for a couple of years and then when I came to by the time I came to college they weren't open you know they'd split up sometime in my high school career uh, a couple of the partners had like split off and mm-hmm. and so then the that store was no longer that it was um collector's cottage comics and hobbies and it was earl cagle okay. who was one of the the guys who stuck in town and, and had it and so um i was working for him for a couple of summers and then when i got to ut john warren had opened a store on on cumberland avenue mm-hmm. um collect a world oh yeah, yeah. collect a world yeah <laughs> um and uh so I worked for them because I was going to UT anyway. It's like um, came in, hung out there, started working there. He hired me because I had uh, because when I was working for the other guys, mm-hmm. they they taught me how to grade comics. And it's one of those things back in the day. It's like when Bob Overstreet walks in the door, right? And they're like, oh, he's like, and he was like, who's this kid? And he's like, oh, here. And it's like, hand him a book. And he picked through and said, grade this for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I sat there wow. and I pulled it out and I graded it and it was like, wow. And, and I said, oh, you know, that's a very fine minus. You know, so Bob Overstreet and is Bob Overstreet the uh, like, he's the the publisher of Overstreet's and he uh, comic was in Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, no, he, he lived in Cleveland, Tennessee. Cleveland, Tennessee. He's from oh, Cleveland. What? Yeah, yeah. Overstreet, wow. Overstreet mm-hmm. Publications is based in Cleveland. He's huh. from Cleveland, Tennessee. Right. So he was and Overstreet uh, still uh, does their thing. It still yeah. publishes. Yeah, I think him huh. and his wife he's, got divorced, but he uh, his I think son's he, running it now. I think. Yeah, so. yeah. So but he would come in and just say, "Grade this book." And well, no, I mean it's one of those things. It was a game that they played with the kid with the the new the new employees, the new kids, and stuff like that. And they'd say, and but like pick three books and say grade these three wow and yeah. it's like i nailed all three and he's like he looked at turned and looked at him and said keep this kid <laughs> that's awesome yeah, so yeah. so i, I that, that, that was well i mean was, <laughs> that was it was one of those things where it's like when you're like i think i was 15 or 16 at that point i was like by that point in time it's like okay i now have no fear of my skills yeah 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 
so then you know worked for John Warren for a couple of years on on Cumberland and then uh, we'd worked out a deal where he wanted to sell the store and get out of it and uh, Jeff Hurst and I who was mm-hmm. the other employee with him at that point in time hi Jeff huh. um, <laughs> he um, we thought we'd worked out a deal to go in business with uh, a guy who had a store in Cleveland Tennessee okay to buy it from him together uh, that person who shall remain nameless, Art Clem, uh, <laughs> bought it up from underneath us without telling us. Oh, and Ooh. so yeah, so it's like I was suddenly out of a job. Uh, didn't he didn't want me anywhere near it? Yeah, uh, because I was the salesman. Was this collector's choice? Collector's choice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so and by that point, the uh, other partner had uh, split off from John and opened up Collector's World, mm-hmm. collect you know Collector's World out in West Knoxville too. Yeah. So I'm like sitting there going, okay, fine. Well, the Collector's Cottage Comics and Hobbies was still there. And about a year later, um, the guy who had bought that from Earl, Bill Bright, uh, basically contacted me and was like, I want to sell my store. Mm. Uh, he said, I've got to do other things. And, and and that hit right at the exact same time as my mother died. Mm. So how much does a, how much does a comic store cost in 1980? 83, 84. Well, I'm just curious. Um, uh, basically, I picked it up for his back debt. He, okay. owed, he owed some money to Diamond. Okay. So you just assumed um, exi- pre-existing so I debt. Assu- I exhumed his existing debt. Yeah. I basically took it over so they so he could split off even. You know, I think basically I got a five thousand dollar inheritance from my mother, okay. and I basically handed it to him. Okay. And I think he made. I think he walked away with like twelve hundred dollars or something like that. But he's like, I had fun. I had a good time. But it's mm. like it's, I want to leave the store in good hands, and you're it. So you bought the store uh, and also I all the, the I bought the store product. and all of his back stock. Okay. From there, um, but I had. I mean, I had actually started an upstairs. In Correct. this building. Yes. In this building. What? Whoa, uh, yes. okay. what? I, I had a little tiny, tiny hole in the wall that was a uh, It was hobby. in the South Knoxville Collectibles Mall is what it was called it when was, I moved here. But it was oh, hobby. Man. Before that, it was Hobby Something. But it was Hobby Something upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, hobby Something is such a lazy name. <laughs> no, yeah. You know what? It must have tested well. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of. Well, you know, if if Robert Vansell is listening, he can tell us what the name was. Yeah. Uh, Sid so, Mazingo as well knows. Because so he, yeah. he was working so, with Robert up there. and you they had right a, up here. Yeah, it was upstairs. Yeah. Uh, they the had a church, where right. it's, it's now an event center, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, wow. And so it was like, but they had like a back room, and I had just lost the whole thing with that, and so they were like, you know, you could open up a comic shop back there, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, clean it out, and we'll let you have it, you know, without paying rent. And I said, sure, perfect. Yeah. So you know, I had gone to and I had gone to Bill and was buying comics for that from him to you know picking up and then reselling okay. them for that, and so that was why he turned and looked at me and said, I want you to take over my store. But I was in there for about six or seven months before Bill made me that offer. Okay. Um, and I made I made all my initial money on something that I could not convince uh, John Macy. I tried to show him the ads that I'd seen mm-hmm. that the guy had done for uh, the illustrator had done for like gaming stuff in the back of other comics. So I said, this guy's going to be doing a comic. We need to buy this. And so he said, okay, tell you what, you buy the 50 copies. Mm-hmm. And if it takes off, it's like, well, well, you know, I'll pay you like, well, if the price goes up, I'll tell you, et cetera, et cetera. Elementals number one. Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. So I bought 50 copies of Elementals number one. That's first Bill, print. Bill Willingham. Bill Willingham, yeah. 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 I need a few people are asking for it, and I sold them like five for like four times the cover price. Yeah. Was because that one it was of the first, like, that, that, yeah. big, like, independent? Kimiko. So it was like, yeah. first and Kimiko were like the first couple of big companies that split off that did that stuff, besides Fanagraphics, because Fanagraphics has been around forever, Kitchen right. Sink and all those guys. Yeah. But, um, so you made an early gamble and it paid off. I made off. an early gamble, yeah. and so I still had copies of Elementals number one when I, when I opened up in here. And they were going for twenty five, thirty five dollars a copy at that Ooh, point, and wow. so that like made so me a chunk of money. So when you bought his store, you immediately changed the name to Comics Inc. Yeah, because it's a, it wasn't a good name. 
I mean, but it was just one of those things. It's like it's like new ownership, new yeah. new everything. I basically turned it around and like let's let's just change this. I kept like um, two of the employees. Um, and where and was we the store located? Um, it was right across Kingston Pike from where at that point in time, the very end of Hamburg, where it hits Kingston Pike there, where Naples Italian Restaurant was forever. Yes. Naples is now long, no longer there. Mm, yeah. But it's in that little strip mall that right next to the uh, parking lot of the post office. Okay. It looks like it used to be maybe an old. It was an old motel. Motel. Mm. Is it was what an old it's motel. Oh, uh, yeah. Then okay. it's like. It's had like barbecue places and yes and yeah. tattoo parlors and stuff in it. So and another comic book store later on. But yeah, um, and so this was in this was what year are we talking about with Comics Inc. Here, this is um, eighty four, eighty five. Okay, wow. and then you ran it for how long till uh, nine years? Okay, nine years. Wow, that's a good time for uh, so, yeah. Marvel most, put me out of business. So. Yeah, most uh, small comic stores, it's like a year to two years. Yeah, yep. but uh, and then what happened with Marvel? Oh, they, I mean. Was it just a situation where. Because this would be, what year would this be then? Like, 93, this is, 94. So this is around Jim Lee X Men number one. Well, this oh, this is a little, 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 yeah. little bit after that. A little yeah. bit after that. Yeah. It was the, um, because I got to sell a bunch of those. So this was when, if you watch the Marvel documentary, when they talk about how they almost went out of business mm-hmm. and the things, the decisions that they made and what they did, they don't talk about what they actually did and what it was. And it's basically they they uh, Marvel. What happened was Marvel went public with their stock. Mm. Ah, yes. Mm. And a small independent business like comic books had no re- had no business whatsoever having people who are investors on the stock market making decisions for what should go into it because mm. what works for stock is profit and market share. Mm-hmm. And when they went public with their stock, Marvel had the biggest set of market share you've ever seen. They had like 60% of the share. So that's why, the, oh, it's a good investment, you know, and the, the comic sales were like X millions of dollars a year. Yeah. Um, about a year and a half after Marvel went public with their stock, you had the independent boom. You had Image and Valiant and all these guys kick in and a whole bunch of black and white publishers too. The small independent press stuff kicked into a huge, I mean, Mar- comic books took off. Right. So Marvel went from I'm just going to throw random numbers out, 20 million to like 60 million in sales in that period of time over that year. And, you know, it's like the sales were huge. The profit was way up there. Everybody was happy with that. But their market share went from 60% to 35%. Because also DC had Death of Superman, Nightfall. But but DC DC went from like 35, because it was like 60, 35, and then the rest. It's like DC was like, they went to 30 and DC stayed 25. And then the others moved up because the other companies took eight market share because they were new properties. And so the investors are like, we're losing market share. This is bad, and so the, you had all this pressure from these people who had no idea how this business worked mm. or cared about the business. They mm-hmm. just cared about those two things. Yeah, coming in and making decisions. So I uh, and this um, is how you end up with Sony in owning uh, the yeah. fr- Spider-Man yeah. franchise rights, right? Uh, Fox owning Fantastic yep. Four uh, and X-Men yes. franchise rights. Yep, because you had I think at one point Marvel declared bankruptcy twice. Yep. Yep. And I think at one um, point I can't remember if it was Carl Icahn or Ike Promuter, but it was some some corporate raider right. had bought Marvel, and, and was planning on stripping it out. Because stri- that's off. what you do when you buy a corporation. If you're a corporate raider, right, is you sell off the valuable pieces and you return profit to your shareholders. Right. Yeah. And it in 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 the short term, I mean, it's a great way to return a profit for the shareholders. Yeah. In the long term, it turned out to be a terrible business decision. Because it's amazing if you think about the '90s on, uh, when they did all this. Avengers, Captain America, Thor were not giant books. Right. No. 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 Absolutely they, not. they were like 
C-list. I mean, they always right. were around. They never got canceled. Well, they were they were Avengers. You yeah, know, they yeah, were yeah. they were the the masthead yeah. for that. But they, yeah. they just they had a great idea when they did the films. Yeah. But um, what, so what ended up happening is there were two or three major comic distributors at that point in time. You had Diamond. You had Capital City. You had two or three other smaller ones. Um, but we had. Uh, had enough business to where it's like I'd had so many problems with Diamond when I first moved in because paying off that that bill from the previous guy it's like mm-hmm. it took forever. Turns out that uh, the guy who uh, took me out of the deal for buying the store on Cumberland uh, was the Tennessee State Manager for Diamond Comics Distribution. Oh, whoa, wow! And see, Diamond had when he when huh. when. Geppy or Jeppy? Yeah, Steve Geppy. Steve Geppy mm-hmm. uh, first started up this distribution part of it. Uh, they had like five or six stores in the Baltimore area, and he said, "We won't open up any more stores." They didn't open any more stores, mm-hmm. uh, but it's one of those things. So it's like I would like um, I took over that, and I was you know because it was like he owed money and he right. was back behind on it, et cetera, et cetera. I had to pay cash. Ooh. It was cash on cash COD for the books that I was getting every week. <laughs> yeah, really? so it's like a cashier's check or cash. So it was like every week I was going and getting a check and handing him the uh, handing him a cashier's check, and it, I had like a year long payoff plan. I paid off his debt within early, like yeah, like nine, like in nine months, I paid off the the back the back owed, and I was still they still had me cash, and I kept saying, when am I going to be able to talk to them about like being able to just write a check? Right, and they kept putting me off and kept putting me off and kept putting mm. me off, and I was like. And in this period of time, every book that came in that was hot, I would get maybe my order, oh, so 90, you, 90% oh. of it to 100. I mean, they, they didn't like not give me anything, but yeah, it's like yeah, I'd get yeah. like, if I, if I had ordered 10 copies of a book and it was going to be hot, I'd get maybe eight or nine. Yeah. Oh. I wouldn't get the full 10 that I ordered, mm. uh, but I would never get a back order because the person who was responsible for filling my back orders was art from collectors oh come on huge conflict of interest there Collectors Choice. yeah it was a huge conflict of interest and not basically at one point in time i I basically got on the phone with uh with diamond and spoke to steve Mm -hmm. and told him what was going on i said look you know i've I've been you know doing this and this and this and it's like okay he said well we'll we'll let you write a check you know but the first time you know we have a problem with one of your checks you're back to cash only and i was like Dang! Jeez. It's like this yeah. is not the same person. This is a different owner. I've made good on his debt. I've been paying cash up front yeah, yeah, for yeah. several months now. Yeah, you know why? Why this? Um, and so that went on for a while, and then it's like the the reorder stuff was still problematic. And I finally got on the phone with with him again, and was like, "Look, you know, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Do something about it." And basically, he told me at point blank on the phone, "Well, if that's the way you feel about it, we don't need your business." Oh, come yeah. Huh. And I went, okay then. And I turned around, I hung up the phone, turned around, picked out the comic buyer's guide, the the big newspaper, flipped it open, saw the full page ad for um, for um, Capital City Distribution. They had a they had a hub in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. And I basically called them, and was like, here's what's going on. And they were like, oh well, you know, okay, fine. Store in Knoxville, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, well, you know, we'll overnight you one of our orders, and you can send it back to us. And uh, we'll take a look at it and see what we can do. Yeah. And so they sent me one of their order things, and I took the order that I had for Diamond and turned around and filled it out with that. And so they had a bunch of new stuff that Diamond didn't carry. They were a mm. better distributor, to be mm. perfectly honest. They carried more things. Wow. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. So I ordered all this extra stuff, too, and sent it back to them. And the guy called me and said, are you serious with this order? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, this is, I said that's what I've I said. I said, I maybe added maybe 10% more stuff because you guys carry things they didn't carry. Right. 
this is my usual monthly but order. But this is my usually monthly order. And he went, I mean, literally the guy was like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so they they made a couple of phone calls. And the following week, they told me that they were uh, they were setting up a delivery route into Knoxville directly for oh, my oh, store. Wow. Wow. My store was a big enough store for that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so they, you know, and then the other stores in the area started like bailing on Diamond too. And so mm-hmm. suddenly my store was the pickup place. Mm-hmm. Eventually they took my, they went, the route went from my store all the way up into Greenville. And there was people up in Johnson City, you know, other places where they would like do, they picked up other stops because since the truck was there, an extra 40, 50 miles and they pick up four more accounts. Right. Might as well. Yeah. So they, they made serious inroads before all this distribution stuff hit. Um, and so that was fun. But they had a retailer's, basically a convention retailer seminar mm-hmm. capital city put it on every year and i went that year because there was big news coming from marvel and we were talking about various things and that's where i that's where i got to meet will eisner a couple of other people huh. so I, that was a they had some really great guests but uh brian stayed here and i went to the convention and sat in on these panels and stuff and some of the panels and the discussions were really cool and some of the you know most of the like first was like this is what we're putting out and you know these other companies were like this is what we're putting out and marvel right. was like we've got this great new racking system we want everybody to use and they were like talking about their racking system and i'm like racking system like okay. a, like an inventory system or like a ordering system racking oh a, for the a wall. system for the wall okay. for racking right. well, that, what's that that's not their business <laughs> who puts their books on the wall in what order you tell them that's not their business mm, so mm, mm. because i did oh that does not shock me <laughs> this, this is this is this is one of my this is one of my shining moments i, I love this story i so i'm proud of myself for this believe it or not i'm not i'm actually not proud of myself for a lot of things but i'm really proud of myself for this. <laughs> so um i get there and the guy goes through this speech for like 20 minutes and i'm sitting there going what's he talking about and i'm like mumbling to the guy next to me and he's like is he saying this he's like yeah i think he's saying that and i was like so Basically, what he was saying is, if X Men is twenty percent of your sales, it should be twenty percent of your X space. And I went, wait, what? Wow. No, I said, <laughs> I said, I said that 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 math doesn't add up. And so he uh, so today basically, with all the X Men books, that would be easy to do. So so yeah, that was easy. so, <laughs> so literally, it's one of those things that's like because they were being squeezed on the the back end because of all the stuff with going public with the stock, they were like desperate to find a way to take market share back. Mm. Okay. So if we can t- get people to even do two or three more spaces for our books, it squeezes somebody else off the rack. Right. That's really what the plan was. That's Pretty what cool. it boiled down to. Yeah. And I, I basically looked at him and said, so you're saying if X-Men is 20% of my sales, it should be 20% of my, my, my rack space. And he said, well, yeah, basically. And I said, okay. so I said, I have 200 spaces Spots. on my rack. That mm-hmm. means... I'm giving them 40, 40 slots, 40 slots yeah. for X-Men. I said, God, that's crazy. I, said, I said, that's ridiculous. He said, well, we're not saying, I said, but you just said this. He said, yeah. I said, I'm not going to do that. It's like, I'm not going to give you guys extra spaces and kick off something like Cerebus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, nice. I said, I'm not going to do that. And he came back at me with, well, you're obviously in a Marvel store. And I went, right. well, I, 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 I was more of a comic book store. Yes. But, you know, I, I didn't, but I basically stopped and said, whoa, hold on a second. There were 300 retailers in that room. And I stood up and turned and I said, who in here, raise your hand if you ordered 100 copies of Marvel's number one before it came out? Awesome. <laughs> me yeah. and one other retailer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I said, who ordered 100 copies of Marvel's number two? Because Marvel's number two, we had to order before number one showed up. Oh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you never order as and many twos as number ones, number, usually. You never order as many mm-hmm. twos. And my hand was the only one because the other guy didn't order that many number twos. Right. 
said, who here ordered 100 copies of Marvel's number three before it came out? Every room, every hand in the room went up. I said, I saw the pencils for that book at Dragon Con mm -hmm. yep. prior to it, like a year before they announced it. Oh, wow. And I was like, watch huh. for this. Whenever this comes out, we are, it's like, it's gorgeous. It can be the worst written piece of junk I've ever seen, but it won't matter. It's beautiful. It, it will sell. All Alex and, Ross art. Yep. And my mm -hmm. partner, when I, when I placed that order for 100 copies of that, Capital City called me back and was like, are you sure about this? I they want to make sure, right, yeah. Because that was a lot of money because it was like a $6 book. It's like five ninety five. dollars It had a fancy cover. Too. Fancy did. cover, yeah. the acetate yeah. foil you know, layover yeah. cover. And it's like, they were like, so are you really serious about ordering this much? I said, so basically I said, who ordered 100 copies of Marvel's number four? And I, pretty much I was like me and two other people at that mm -hmm. point. So I said, because the, the that's the peak and valley of the order cycle. And I turned back to the Marvel guy. I said, when Marvel puts out quality merchandise, I support Marvel fully. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I am 100% behind selling good comic books. So you cannot a, tell me I'm not a Marvel store. No, there was a, you're absolutely right, because there was a period there, and especially late 80s, early 90s, where Marvel wasn't putting out very much in the way of quality at all. No, no. It was all um, just extra copies and extra covers, and they and were that, like... As a Marvel reader, it was really discouraging, because there was a period where I think the only thing I was reading was uh, Peter David on Incredible Hulk mm -hmm. and my Uncanny X-Men, because yep. I'd read Uncanny X-Men pretty much my entire waking life. But yeah, they. Uh, so I, I pretty much got a standing ovation from all the other retailers oh, wow. at that point because it's like I basically said, "You're not going to be." I said, "If you want me to give me to give Marvel more spaces on my rack, Marvel mm -hmm. needs to put up more quality." Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to take something else. I said, I said, now here's the thing: if I'm selling that many copies of X Men mm -hmm. on my rack, it's my job as a retailer to keep an eye on. It's like when there's a big issue of X Men or a big issue of anything, I'll give it like two slots so that if it sells faster than I can keep up with it, there's still some there. But then it's my job to refill from the back stock. It's not your job to tell me how to sell my stuff. Oh, no, it's right. my job to sell no. to sell my yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so the room went kind of nuts over that. And <laughs> he basically just kind of blew me off and wouldn't talk to me after that. Mm. And I, I got back after that. That was like, that's a bad thing. Something bad's coming. Mm. And yeah. I basically went back and told my partner, said, Marvel's going to do something stupid. Yeah. Um, and my partner would, will back me up on this. I told him, I said, they're going to do something stupid. He said, what? I said, we got maybe five or six months mm -hmm. before Marvel decides to do something stupid because what they're getting desperate. They, they talked about this. And I told him what they said. And he's like, that's dumb. I said, Marvel's getting ready to do something stupid. Two weeks later, they announced <laughs> Two weeks later, they announced it, that they were buying Heroes World Distribution and going to distribute their own stuff. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And so suddenly from being able to compete with distributors who carried everything and the more you bought, the better your discounts got. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Marvel, you had to go through Heroes World, and then everybody else scrambled, and DC signed the deal with Diamond, yeah. and we were all looking at like Image and the others. It's like, if Image had gone with Capital City, we would have had something else, but Image went with Diamond too. Right. You had a couple that went with Capital City, and Capital City struggled for a while, and then they finally gave up the ghost, but you went from being able to order everything from one and getting one shipment a week to having five different companies to get everything from. Five different customer service reps. Five different hmm. customer service reps five different monthly order forms Ooh, that yeah. did not come in on the same day or the same week of the month. Yeah. Um, and Marvel's like, oh, your discount will be fine. Your discount will be fine. No, yeah. I took I took my Marvel stuff, the same numbers I've been ordering for Marvel, plugged them into the Heroes World stuff, and I went from getting, I mean, I was a big store mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, if it was a dollar comic, I was paying 45 cents. Okay. And yeah. I could do like 10, 20, 30% discounts because yeah. of that. I went from that to suddenly the biggest discount I could get was 25%. Mm. So at that point, it was just like, you're bleeding out at that point. I'm bleeding out at that point. Okay. And so we had approximately, because you'd had a card bust like a couple of years earlier. So there's a lot of card stores that had added comic books to it to right. try to keep themselves afloat. 
and some of them knew what they were doing and were doing okay. And so were a lot be of fine. the sports card stores, sports especially, card stores were carrying comics mm-hmm. as well at that mm-hmm. point in time. Sports cards, investments, and halls. Sports cards, investments, oh, and yeah. halls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you had, so you had all those guys that had picked up some of that slack. With that bust happening, you went from like, when Marvel did this, there were about 16,000 comic shops in the U.S., retailers. Yeah. And I'd say about 60, 70% of them were healthy stores that were doing really well. You know, you're, you always have those couples that open up and are like there for a couple of years and go away. Yeah. But it's like, you know, yeah. but that's a rotational. There's always another store that opens up there anyway. So, um, Within six months, we were down to eight thousand stores. Wow! Mm. They put wow. that that many stores went out of business. I had to sell my store because I there was a store in there was a store in West Knoxville in Cedar Bluff. Mm-hmm. There was a store on campus, and I was in between. I was the discount house. I carried the same selection. I carried a better selection, yep. and I gave a better price because I could because I was I was that guy. Mm. But then I was going to have to pick up my store and move it to one of those two places because that's where the centers of business were mm. because people weren't going to drive to me for a discount that wasn't going to exist anymore. So that's when I had to sell my store. So once so, you sold the store, did you stay like collecting I stayed, comics? Um, I stayed with the stores, helping them sell stuff for about six months and then they finally let me go, but that was the plan. You know, okay. the, the, the guy when he, when he when he bought it was like, we'll have you in there for transitionary period, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was Ron like, from Ron. Chattanooga. Yeah, Ron yeah. from Chattanooga. Do you still um, collect the Avengers? Uh, no. <laughs> No. I, I basically, uh, I mean, Marvel put a terrible taste in my mouth. I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had built up a really good, solid mm. business, and I was in decent shape, and I was going to be fine. And then suddenly, I had nothing, and yeah. no way to get there. And it was all—it was literally all Marvel's fault. Now so. that being said, however, it didn't end poorly because I remember when I first opened the store, uh, me and my partner John, John Tipton at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, who we, worked for me who had worked for yes absolutely oh. and uh, we would close up and we would drive to Ziggy's new store down on Cumberland Avenue it was called KGB it was a gaming store it was a ga- it stood for the Knoxville Gaming Bureau amazing mm-hmm. yes it was an amazing name and uh, we would booster draft down there with Ziggy and Todd wow. and Bill and Russell and all the guys yep. Yep. and um, and so Ziggy actually and correct me if I'm wrong so the progression was the comic store closed but the Magic the Gathering door opened, right? Um, yes. When I did this, when Brian and I did the sale to to Ron, he basically had this contract and he'd set it up, you know, that standard thing of like non-competition clause. For and like I a year or two, right? For like for five, he had for five years. Okay. For five right. years. He didn't, want, he didn't want me opening back up and taking the store back away from him somehow. And I was like, I, was like, yeah. I totally get that. But I went in and I looked at that and I was like, I marked through in pen a certain part of it, which was like gaming. Okay. I said, no, you can have all the comics, but I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not going to be involved in gaming in Knoxville. You want to stay in that space? I want to stay. Well, because you could see it was growing. Gaming was well. I mean, it's because Magic the other. It's what I did. You know, I was Mm -hmm. a gamer too. I read comics, but I was I was a gamer too. So I was like, you know, I'm not. You can have the comic stuff. I'm done with the comics industry because I I can't deal with that anymore. But gaming is a different thing, and I think you know we can do et cetera, et cetera. So. I had gone to the Adventurers Inn and was like, I took, yeah. my, I took I, they were on Sutherland at that point in time, mm-hmm. and I took my, uh, I took my, um, <clears throat> took my Magic Singles collection because they weren't selling singles, mm-hmm. and I basically set it up and was selling singles in their store and helping them run tournaments and stuff like that. And then Dan, the one of the owners of the Adventurers Inn, right. um, got cancer and was like mm-hmm. having a problem with that, and so he was like wanted to sell his share and I talked to Tom about it and Tom's like sure and so Tom and I I took over that chunk of it and then Todd came on and we moved it down to Cumberland and mm-hmm. that's when we started the KGB so 
That's awesome. And that went into so, yeah. the or to the yachts, right? Yeah, that went into the yachts. Okay, wow. Before we get too far away from comics, I, I do want to say that um, you're talking about quality and being an umbrella for comic books in general back right. then. And one of the memories I had of Comics Inc. definitely was there were comic shops, little little guys all around town, mm-hmm. and you could always go there to get your Batman, your Spider-Man, things of that nature. But I, what I truly remember about uh, Comics Inc. was that was where you went to get cool stuff like Love and Rockets like yes. the Crow like your black and white indies back then before people really caught on knew what those things were like that's the shop you went to to, to know those cool things I think that's, I, I definitely remember that yes yeah, matter of fact I think the first time I went there I think I, if I remember right I think I saw either a Grindel or a Groove coffee mug Oh, yeah. oh, okay. it, was, cool. it, was sometime, it was just something yeah. You, yeah, that you normally wouldn't see in a, a comic store around that, era, that, that time mm. But you could tell that, yeah, as far as the selection, it was varied. You know, it was... Uh, and I was ahead of my time. I mean, no, 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 all no. the other comic shops were comic shops, and I basically created the first pop culture store. Right. Uh, because yeah, right. I didn't, you know, I didn't just have one or two Spider-Man posters. I had a poster rack with a bunch of different posters. Right. And I carried prints, like yeah. fine art yeah. prints and stuff like that. I, the Love and Rockets, the Hernandez brothers would do a print, and I would get a signed and numbered print. You know, I'd carry a couple of those. I had a guy who came in from New York City twice a year and stopped in my store because I carried stuff nobody else carried he collected H.R. Giger ooh wow yeah, yeah. Okay. who designed uh, the aliens alien and, right mm-hmm. so, so uh, he was a Giger collector and he's like and, and you know after a couple of times when I realized what he was doing it's like I was like, oh, I'll just order an extra Giger thing for you every time I see something cool. It's like, that'd be great. So yeah. he was coming in maybe once or twice a year and dropping seven or $800 on Ooh. Giger stuff. Because I mean, we're talking like yeah, $200 yeah, yeah. signed prints mm. yeah. and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, you, you know, I, I checked at one point. I was like, you're from New York, right? It's like, why can't you get this stuff up there? So the comic shops in New York can't afford to carry this stuff. Yeah, the retail wow. space is he said, so the expensive. The retail space yeah. is so expensive, mm-hmm. they can't afford to buy something and have it sit there. Mm-hmm. They're all nothing but the new comics. And, right. and they, they clearance them out as fast as they can to put the next new ones in. They're, it's all about turnover. It's all about Marvel. It's like they don't have anything independent. And I said, oh, and I didn't realize that at that point in time. But he was coming through and doing that. And then a little while later, it's like I'd sold a ton of The Crow, like you said, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, my distributor came in. I like, came in one day. My driver came in one day, and I'd gotten this, I'd gotten this like, manila envelope packet and it had like five different books like um uh, xerox copies of the yeah. black and white the pencils of five different books and it was from caliber press mm-hmm. the guys who did the crow hmm. <clears throat> and they wanted to know if i thought i could sell any of this what i thought about it and i looked at him so why did they send me this and the guy's like dude you don't know you're ziggy and i was like <laughs> i was like what and he's like okay and he, he stopped for a second and said okay Major distributors, it's like Diamond and Capital City at this point in time, those, those two distributors, they have like two tiers of stores. Mm-hmm. They have chain stores, which is three or more locations, and they have independent stores. He said, as far as chain stores go, there's several. Mm-hmm. But he said, when it comes to independent stores, single stores, single store sales, he's like, you are our number two huh. volume location for single stores in the U.S. Wow. wow. Yeah, that, and he huge. said, and we're the number two distributor behind Diamond. So that mm-hmm. means you're in the top 10 stores huh. in the U.S. guaranteed. Dang. And, this and is I was like, circa... You know, circa 91. Okay. Wow. So, wow. But I can I, tell you... Like, and I was, I was sitting there going, it's like, what? I mean, what? He said, well, you know, Metropolis Comics in L.A. Yeah. Is like they're our number one. You're our number two. Whoa! Yeah. And I was like, he's like, he said, I'll be perfectly honest. You're way behind them. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you're still really, really. It's like so, but you are for independent and black and white Mm. and that kind of tier, that kind of niche stuff. You are our number one store. 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I think the first store signing I went to was at Ziggy's store yep. when you brought in the Gajin Studios guys. Yep. When you had like uh, Joe, Phillips Joe Phillips and uh, um, <laughs> Brian Stelfreeze. Stelfreeze. And and wow. Jason, Holly Hamner. Jason, Jason Pearson. Pearson there. Yeah, Jason Pearson was there. R.I.P. Yeah. Just uh, passed away recently. Yeah, just yeah. passed away. Uh, and I tell you, and, and one real quick, and then another, and just to give Ziggy a little bit more credit, <laughs> uh, there was a and you probably remember this there was a, a local Knoxville I think it was a science fiction uh, book club uh, convention called convention. Con, Concat yep I don't know if y'all remember Concat no we're well, not that old well one year and this, this right. you never ago. showed up for the tables we gave you no 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 I was there oh, I, no 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 so, oh, oh, you never showed up to run, to run not, a table in the dealer's I don't room think I, I don't think I did run a table at the dealer's you room you had a free table in the dealer's room and you didn't take it so I, no hang, hang on wow. no he was no 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 I was there at the convention and, we uh, need this for the ratings. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was there. there and, and if there if there was a reason, if there was a reason I didn't work the table, it's because he had brought Neil Gaiman in to Knoxville. Whoa, what? Neil yes. Gaiman has been in Knoxville. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a real cool story behind that. But let me let me finish this real fast. So so if anything, I didn't want to be stuck behind a table when Neil was in town. And so, and, and I was expecting this thing to be humongous. Okay. Uh, no offense, Ziggy. What year is no, this? But, but this was 1990. He was writing American Gods. Three okay. or four? Wow. wow. And Charles Vest showed up also. Whoa. Yes. Um, and set, set up a table out there and was selling some of his prints and his art. Charles and, uh, Vest wasn't No, he wasn't. Charles wasn't selling anything. I thought he was. He was, was his wife had been in no. an accident. I nope. thought he was raising money nope. for. Nope. Charles was. Um, Charles came down because Neil was there and right. he had the next batch of four prints from the Stardust print box set that wow. they had sold. What? Oh, he had those yeah. next prints to, that they needed to do the signed plates for each other. Which if you've never read Whoa. Stardust or seen the movie, because uh, Neil was I, here, I recommend both. I'm going Char- to come, uh, I'll drive uh, Charlie Cox. Cox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will drive wow. 45 minutes down from Abingdon, Virginia where he I live close by. to hang out in With. this convention and do a signing. And, and, and I mean, they signed the plates, and then he signed autographs for people too while he was there. Okay, but I maybe I maybe think I maybe think the autographs. He this is what happens when you don't get a table. He this is so happy. Well, <laughs> but the thing about this it, was this was also like thirty years ago. But no, so okay, if you so had taken the table, you would have been with the group of people that got to go to dinner with Neil Gaiman. Oh my goodness! So that was Bill. the other story I was going to tell. <laughs> that was the other story I was going to tell. Was that uh, Ziggy took Neil to go eat sushi uh, here in Knoxville? Which later got memorialized in the novel American, American Gods. Gods. What? Where there's a scene. Where, I'm sorry, there's not a scene, but there's a mention of the worst sushi restaurant in the United States. And he says, and I'm, no offense to Jamie, because I don't think he was speaking of Nama. It wasn't Nama, was it? It was Tomo's down there. It was Tomo's. Oh, right. Okay. So he said the worst sushi in the United States was in. The restaurant in the U.S. in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> That's hysterical. A landlocked state. Not to brag, wow. but I was at a Waffle House once with Vanilla Ice. <laughs> how, how was it? It was weird. It was when Vanilla Ice was Did doing. Did he his, deflect a chair? He was doing his <laughs> new. He was doing his new metal thing. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he was, was just like, ice, ice, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was yeah. just going by Vanilla, right? He yeah. dropped the ice. And he or... uh, played at. Um, Oh, shoot. The place that used to be on the strip. Uh, Moose's Music Hall. Yes. Um, and all he wanted nice. to talk about was BMX racing. But I, wanna, yeah. I do want to say uh, real quick, like, mm-hmm. we posted a picture of you and Ziggy on the Comics Exchange. Oh, God. Yeah. And I honestly do wish we had a call-in number. Uh, Denton J. Tipton, Tipton oh, Denton. asked us that. Yes. Uh, Stacy Mueller said, uh, my first visit to a comic store was uh, Ziggy's. 
Uh, Jeff Crumpley's the man, the myth, the legend, Ziggy. Awesome. And Ben East says, how he do, how'd he do? Oh, Ben, um, yeah, Ben's great. Yeah, so about an hour, we have like a, a bunch of likes on it. So yeah, people remember Ziggy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah, yeah Ben's yeah, yeah. been in recently. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, you have a caller number. I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was it was almost uh, unescapable in the in the eighties and nineties. If you yeah. were in the comic scene, uh, you know, you either met Ziggy or knew Ziggy. And I was actually, I, I bought my comics at a place called Kern's Discount Comics. <laughs> oh, Kern! And uh, it was, oh, it, was Kern. it was kind oh, of a hole in the wall. Yeah. Oh, and um, and, and <sighs> Ziggy's Ziggy at the time, I guess, was helping. Ron had bought. American or what the name was? It was yeah. on. It was American on Cards and Comics. American Cards yeah. and Comics. I've got some stories about that. <laughs> and I would, I would, I would, I would buy I my bet comics. I have better ones than you. Uh, I, bet you I do. would buy my comics at Kern's, but Kern was hardcore Church of Christ, so he would mm-hmm. not sell me Vertigo comics. Any Vertigo comics, he thought Vertigo. Or they, yeah. they were trying to start throwing. They're religion. the devil. Yes, and so <laughs> I would not sell Magic cards either. For he would not reason. sell Magic cards, and so I would, I would leave with my my stack of comics. But so he sold Spawn. He did, and Lady Death, the leather cover edition. <laughs> oh. And so I would walk around the corner and I would with my, my stack of books from Kearns and I would go into uh, American and I would buy Preacher I would buy Sandman yep. I would buy all the Vertigo books you know that, that Transmit or, um, and so it was uh, it was definitely a, a relief to have a store in town uh, that carried a wide variety of stuff because um, so it, yeah, yeah. Prior yeah. to us going to American and being that close to Kearns, it's like he was responsible for drumming up business for me on a regular basis about uh, once every two or three months <laughs> somebody would walk in and be like I was down this place, and this guy was like, it's like, it's not just that he wouldn't sell the Vertigo comics. If you sold him a collection that had Vertigo comics in him, he'd rip them up. What? Whoa. So one of the urban... He'd destroy them. I had four people come in in one day because somebody's like, I'm going to go down to Ziggy's. Take that, like, Shade the Changeling Man. <laughs> he, was like, he, was, he was like, I'm going to go down to Ziggy's, and they're like, where's that? And he's like, so he's follow me. And so there's this caravan of people who showed up, and they were, like, huh. they were shaking when they came in. It was like, he was tearing up comic books. <laughs> one of, like, he was, what? One of the urban <laughs> myths in the Knoxville comic scene in the 90s was that Kern had bought a collection of books and the guy had an entire run of Sandman, like one oh. through seventy in the oh, in yeah, like long box. At that point. Oh, well, yeah. or however long it was. 60, yeah. yeah. And um he had taken it to the dumpster behind Pluto Sports there. Oh yeah. And, that's where it was. And had burned it at night. Yeah. Had lit him on fire no. in the dumpster. Yeah. And uh yes, and had burned an entire yeah. run of Sandman. Invent a time machine. No, no. <laughs> we're gonna kill Hitler, of course. He's first. he's not worth it. Okay, <laughs> truly not worth it. No, we're gonna save those Sandman. Concentrate on the Hitler baby. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, the first major interaction I had with him was was before that was one of those things. It's like uh, when I first bought Collector's Cottage, um, it was this tiny little room in the back corner. It wasn't at the front. It was in the back corner, but it had a stock room back behind. He did, uh, and there were literally dozens and dozens of boxes of books in the back room there were uh and so you know i did like it's like i would you know in advertising it's like you know i put out a flyer or something where it's like i had 200 boxes of back stock you know 200 boxes of back issues and he was running around telling people i was a liar oh because he'd only ever been in the front room Uh, and i had like 20 boxes out there and he was like he didn't know and i was like basically it's like but he was like, "Oh no, he's preaching that's like you're a liar. Don't buy books from him. He's 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 a liar. If he's lying about that, blah, blah. and so the next time I saw him, I was like, Kern, come with me.'" And he was like, "What?" I said, "I want to show you something." And I opened the back door and I cut on the light and I said, "I want you to count how many boxes <laughs> are in this back room." And he said, "What?" I said, "If you're going to call me a liar, right. you better actually catch me in a lie, mm. sir. I do not like being called a liar for something I'm not lying about. Now, do I have a hundred? Do I have more than a hundred boxes of back issues in this in this room back here?" And he was like, uh, I said, 
take as much time as you need to count them all. <laughs> yeah. And he did not show his face in my store for a year after that. So. Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, he was like, Who's, I was like, I do not like being called a liar. So. No, nobody does. I mean, if I've said something that wasn't true tonight, it's because my memory is faulty and I'm old. So. <laughs> he went home and burned some books of magic. <laughs> <laughs> but I was um, like, oh my God, yeah. You know what, Ziggy? Thanks so much for coming in and mm -hmm. uh, telling some stories. It sounds like you have a lot more, so I'm going to go ahead and do this right now to be continued. Oh, yeah, this is just part one. Uh, yeah. It's got to be yeah. at some point, sure. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. No, 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 we're committing this. It's we have a contract oh. <laughs> uh, we need you to sign. Um, but what we do at this point, uh, we're not going to do books a week this week. It's a light week. It's it was, a, a, yeah, it was a short week. It's a fifth week. Uh, the fifth week is usually always like the kind of short week. Yeah, so we're just going to take a break and I think just move right into recommendations, right? Sure. Yeah, and then, um, you know, we'll have a lot of books on the Valentine's Day episode to talk about. Romantic. Romantic books. <laughs> what are you talking about, Ryan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. That sure makes sense. The voice, all of it just kind of yeah. kind of weirded me out. It's late, man. <laughs> um, but no, we'll do some recommendations. Okay. I'll start it. You want to go first? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, a video game. Oh. Um, I just finished uh, God of War Ragnarok. Nice. Uh, on the PS5, mm -hmm. um, I heard if you're if you have a PS4, maybe wait to get it because it's supposed to run the PS4 really hard. Okay. Um, but it's super good. What they've done with the Kratos as a character since the 2018 God of War and this one, mm -hmm. they've turned his character so much around. Like the old games, he was just all anger and it was just very one note. Right. Uh, but making him a father has been just kind of brilliant. Brought out uh, the lighter side of Kratos? Lighter wow. side in a way, but also more empathy. <laughs> Daddy yes. Which is so. weird to see a guy that has killed gods yes. suddenly have a little bit of empathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Reminds me of the 9-11 Spider-Man issue when uh, Dr. Doom showed up at the World Trade Center and was crying. Yeah, it's yeah. Weird. The, wow. I'm like, man, you blew, uh, up, you blew up countries, dude. You know, why? <laughs> why were the voice, but the voice it. <laughs> uh, They bring Richard Schiff uh, from uh, the West Wing. West Wing. And, and is the villain Odin. Okay. And Ryan Hurst, uh, that played Opie on Sons of Anarchy in a store. And it's a really cool take on Thor and Lady Sif and a lot of the Asgardian people. Uh, really good game. I got about 50 hours out of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's superb. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Mike. You know, something I've been doing lately is uh, going and getting caught up on old school episodes of G.I. Joe and Transformers. Uh, Hasbro has put those up on YouTube in high quality 4K you know, remasters. Looks fantastic. You know, I've got some old DVDs laying around with some of that stuff on it, but it's always been kind of hard to really get in a good high quality, and they've uploaded all this stuff. Um, so if you guys are in the 80s nostalgia stuff like that, Transformers, G.I. Joe, go on, go on to YouTube. Check it out. All that stuff is up there and available now. I mean, that's one of the glorious things about YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. That you can just think of something from your childhood and you're like, I remember Matt LeBlanc in that ketchup commercial. <laughs> and you'll just type in Matt LeBlanc ketchup commercial. The YouTube that's probably so true. you can and, go down. And it's, yep. it's incredible. I had a buddy yep. of mine, he said if YouTube was the only thing on the internet that he would still, he would get the internet incredible just for YouTube. Incredible and dangerous. Mm, very, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. very dangerous. Um, Bill. So for me, in the in the spirit of uh, talking with comic books about with Ziggy here, it kind of got me thinking about um, some of my favorite comic book movies. Huh. And one I like to recommend is, um, and also because they announced that Kevin Smith is coming here for Fanboy this year for mm -hmm. and Jason Muse and Jason Muse. So one of the ones I'd like to recommend is Chasing Amy. If you've never seen the movie ah. Chasing Amy by Kevin Smith, 
Um, it kind of gives you a little bit, and it may not be the truest uh, vision of what it's like behind the comic in the comic book scene, mm-hmm. but it kind of gives you a little a bit idea what it's like to work in the in, in the industry as a professional, yep. uh, as an inker or a tracer. Uh, that's just, you know, <laughs> um, you're just a tracer, man. You're just a tracer, dude. But uh, but yeah, if you want to see something kind of um, you know, uh, comic book, um, just kind of what it's like to break into the industry, do the small cons, do the panels. Uh, there's some great scenes in there. Uh, Jason Lee kills it, and yep. um, and my man, you know, Benefleck. Benefleck is great. Benefleck. Benefleck. <laughs> Benefleck does a good job. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy, Joy Lauren Adams, I think, is in there. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a great movie. I yeah, do want to give a great. second shout out to Jason Lee back then. He was he was really killing it. Loves Kevin Smith. So Mallrats and and Chase and Amy, I mm-hmm. think, is Apex. Jason Lee. And if my I'm picking, name is Earl. Mm, mm. Dogma. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. I forgot about Dogma. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie. Uh, Ziggy, do you have any recommendation? Um, we are hardcore into anime right now, so yeah. uh, Spy X Family on the lighter end. If you want something fun and funky, mm-hmm. uh, and if you want something brutal and gross, Chainsaw Man. Oh, I love Chainsaw like Man. Stunning! It has mm. the best opening song. It does. Now he's it a guy that head. has a chainsaw for a head. You have to watch yeah. it. You have, you have to. You literally have to. There's watch chainsaws involved. And Spy X. That's the one that's like a family. It's, and it's retro '50s, '60s Cold War in a okay. separate in a separate world. Yeah, it's all James Bondy, but it's like it's totally weird. The first episode, you're like, okay, what? And the second episode, they take the what factor up. Each episode, there's something mm. where you go, what, what, what? <laughs> but the style is stunning. It's clean lines, and it is the best written five year old in the history of television. Oh wow! Mm. And they're both on great. Hulu, right? Yeah, they're both on Hulu. So okay, uh, I'm gonna throw one at you since you're on the subject of anime. Oh, no. If you've not watched The Witch from Mercury yet, check it out. It's outstanding. Love it. It's a new Gundam show, uh, Witch from Mercury. Witch from Mercury. I feel old, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. We're the same I, age, Shipley. I remember Battle of the Planets. Does that count? <laughs> Robotech. <laughs> Robotech. <laughs> oh man! Well, this has been an awesome episode. What oh, a blast! Sure. It's flown by. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. This one feels uh, like maybe our best one ever. Mm, mm. Uh, I hate to go out on a limb, yeah. but it might be. Yeah, no, super good. I say that about every episode. When actually when we started envisioning doing this podcast, yes. this was one of the episodes I envisioned us doing was to bring in like Ziggy, bringing in people that have been a part of the comic book world in Knoxville for years. I know you've been looking forward to this one for a while. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Until the people I trash talk get hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> we need controversy. Controversy yes. sells. Hey, That's right. Drive, uh, drive those listens up. Cheap heat. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're going to probably go ahead and call it a wrap. I'm Mike D. I'm the charming Ryan. Always charming. And I'm, I'm Bill Langford. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend of Ziggy. <laughs> and we will see you in the funny books. Bye. Yeah, bye. 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 Baby, ain't nothing but-